This is a family electric ghost, and we're live on the air with Leanne Linsky for the first time. Welcome to the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Great. Thank you thank for you. being on the show. And um, yeah, it's always good to be talking to people. We're actually in New Hampshire, um, so we're in the lovely state of New Hampshire with all the pines in the middle of the woods, but um, we get to reach out and uh, talk to people around the world. And I want to let people know that we are a featured podcast on Newsly. You can see that icon on the top. Uh, That's another podcast platform that's an audio only. And so if you use that coupon code GHOST, you can check that out for free uh, and see if you like it. It's just another podcast platform you might not know about, but we are featured on there. And later tonight, we'll have the audio version of this podcast there. Now, the other thing I want to let people know, we are at episode 1005 of the Family Electric Ghost podcast. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and that's the tracking on Apple Podcasts since um, 2016. And today, we're going to be talking to the CEO and founder of Plausible. And uh, we're going to talk to you. Like you're a comedian turned entrepreneur. Uh, you founded this online comedy club, which is really interesting to me because I've dabbled in online uh, music festivals. I did two back in 2021 and 2022. I haven't done one this year yet. But um, yeah, I think it's a really cool idea to be able to have a comedy club. So maybe we can dive into that um, and maybe give your background for the audience first. Sure. So uh, yeah, so a little bit of background is I actually started out in regular business. I was working for a Fortune 500 company and a coworker suggested that I take a comedy class. And so I did. I took a comedy writing class. And from there, I signed up for an improv class and it just snowballed into this thing. And so after I'd been at this regular job for almost 13 years, I was laid off and my theater friends were like, hey, you said if you didn't have that job, you would move to New York and pursue comedy. And I was like, oh, someone heard me and now they're calling me out. So <laughs> I, I was like, let me, you know, my friend was like, hey, I have a place in, in New York. Do you want to share it with me? And I was like, oh, let me think about it. He goes, you have one hour. I was like, one hour. And so I thought, <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I'm in. And I packed two suitcases and moved across country from Las Vegas to New York City. And, um, and started, you know, pursuing comedy full time. I'd already been studying it for like five years. And so I went all in and then I stayed in New York and I produced shows and open mics for nearly nine years while I was there. And then I moved to the West Coast to L.A., Long Beach uh, specifically, and I started producing shows there. But I found I spent so much time on the freeway, more than any stage. I was like, this is bananas. Uh, how do I bridge the gap between in-person shows and in real time, uh, you know, working things out? So I, this is before COVID, by the way. And so I mm-hmm. was like, when I first moved to California, I was like, I should do some things on Skype. Remember Skype? <laughs> and then um, yeah, yeah. anyway, I ended up doing things on Zoom and I started doing things on Zoom and then COVID happened and everybody started doing things on Zoom. But the existing technologies are great, um, but there were some specific things that we really need for entertainment, like no audio delays or cutouts and maybe a different screen layout. And then we need a way to promote ourselves and help each other out and build a community. And so 
I yeah. ended up creating Plausible and I went back to school, got my master's in innovation and entrepreneurship and built a network of people that I could get mentors and, you know, resources. And I, we built this platform Plausible, which is, like you said, it's an online comedy club. So it's kind of like um, anybody can join. It's currently we're in beta. Everything is there available for free. You can create a free, free account as a fan and you can log in and all the shows are live in real time like this is. But the oh, like wow. you can see and hear the audience and they can see and hear you and you can see and hear all the laughter oh, in wow, real time. Cool. That when you, yeah. So you as a musician, you understand like the importance of those kind of things as you're performing, like yeah. even nonverbal feedback is so important to us. So I ended up creating this platform so that. Um, there's no gatekeeper. I don't audition people. I don't, I don't manage people or hire the, the comedians. They can go on and create an account and then produce and write and put up their own shows as they see fit. And they could um, put oh, them wow. up for free. Or if they want to charge ticket price, they can earn money by charging ticket prices. And fans, if they want to see that comedian, they can pay a price. Is it so live or do they pre-record? Do they see on your platform on Plausible? It's, it's live, so they don't pre-record and put up. They have to do it live, and then they have a yeah. you have a ability for like so. If there's like fifty people or a hundred people in the audience, how does that audience like uh, uh, clapping or feedback? How do you deal with that? How do you get that to be in the background? Yeah. So we our technology that we. Uh, built into this is there's no audio delay or anything you can hear everybody so like you know when you stand in a room full of people and you can kind of hear all the the noise and the people yeah. around yeah, yeah. you aren't cut out your audio is not cut out as the primary speaker um so it's like that so oh. people good thing is is during covid is people kind of learned like when someone's talking i quiet down same as being in a live theater when realize, you have to wait afraid. for them to quiet down <laughs> yeah and so um it's like that but there's no like um on some of these things where if i talk and then you cough or you sneeze or you talk then all of a sudden my microphone cuts out i'm plausible that doesn't happen um, the, yeah, there's no cutouts oh, that's cool. it's like aggregate volume which is really nice and super important because timing is everything and telling a joke. So if I tell a joke, I don't have to wait two seconds for the punchline. Or if I find myself waiting on plausible, then I know nobody's laughing because there's no delay. Wow. Um, yeah. Can you so control that's really that, the, the loud? Yeah. Just a question um, technically, cause like I'm, I'm very interested because a lot of musicians could benefit from that audience feedback capability. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, is there a way to control the volume of that audience? So there's a certain level yeah. of that volume. That is something that we're working on that we can control it. And um, that'll be in a future phase. But yeah, because cool. that is important so that we can kind of take that them as a whole and bring that down if we need to. So that's definitely in future. And right now, and the if someone has their, their volume turned really up high on their mic, they might come in a little bit hot from an audience, but typically it's never, it's not yet been an issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to your point, that's super important. And that is something we're looking at. And then the other thing is, is like the screen layout is different. So like in this example, like what we're looking at you and I, sorry for the people who are listening to audio only, um, but we're side by side. Yeah, yeah. 
But if you, for instance, if you were on Plausible, uh, we would be stacked one on top of the other, like and real large and dominant on the left hand side, and we'd be anchored there. And then the audience appears and they populate the right hand side, so you can see a bunch of them. But we always stay stationary on the left. And if you want to see more of the audience, you just use your mouse wheel and scroll, and they'll carousel up and down. Oh, right? so you can see the entire uh, audience, like everybody that's there. So yeah, you can they, they'll scroll through, but you as a performer stay anchored on the left because after all, people are there to see you perform. You and if you, you, yeah, you know, if you go into gallery view, like on Zoom, if I go on gallery view, mm-hmm. I am looking at everybody's houses. I am checking y'all out. Like I'm not gonna lie, like it's distracting. Mm-hmm. It, I find it fascinating. Like what's everybody doing that during this time? Because uh, I just have that kind of short attention span. So when someone's yeah. uh, going to see someone perform, if I'm sitting in a live audience, I don't turn around and look around throughout the entire theater as of what everybody else is doing, why the comedian's on stage. Yeah, I focus yeah. on the yeah. So we basically set up the design so that it's that. Our focus is always the performer, yet we can still see some of the audience around us. And it's also important because when people laugh, they're we're more likely to laugh if we see and hear other people laughing. And that's the benefit of having it in real time is because we laugh that's more and doing it with other people. Do you encourage the artist, you know, as a comedian, a lot of times comedians, you want to see their entire body because some comedians like they do <laughs> a lot with their, like an actor, they use, they use their whole body to put together a performance. Or do you kind of deal with like the way we are as, as a talking head? So I question is, did you encourage people to actually have a, like a very, like a long view, they would see them like as if they were on stage or do they do it like the way we're doing it? Um, Pretty much for the most part, everybody's doing it the way we're doing it. There are some comedians who will stand up and they'll step back a bit and they'll use a handheld microphone so that it's more traditional stand up looking. And then the background might, they, people have different backgrounds. Like some people do have the brick walls and stuff, which is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But like me, I don't want everybody to see my body post COVID. But it is interesting because um, at first, when we first kind of transitioned into this kind of, you know, medium for people to use, everybody's like, well, it's not a stage. But every when you talk to comedians, it's kind of interesting because a lot of comedians aspire to be on TV. And I'm like, well, when you get on TV, you're in a yeah, you're a in a box. You're in a box. Right. Yeah, in a box. So you can kind of like, why not uh, start honing the skills of, of being yeah, on camera and that kind of frame on you? It's it's just it's a skill set to have. And even if you're doing commercial yeah, work. Yeah, it's totally different because it's kind of like when you're a band, like when we're bands and we're doing live performances, uh, I've done like these bedroom producer concerts and we've had, you know, like the singer songwriters will kind of go for, they go a little step back so you could see them with their guitar. But if you're yep. a full band, they, they tend to go a little bit further back so you see the entire band because that's the nature of yeah. being a musician. People want to see you actually playing the instrument. If you're just singing mm-hmm. like a DJ or a rapper, you could be in this kind of view, but when you're doing the performance and you've got like a three, four, five person band and you kind of zoom out, but that, yeah, yeah it's interesting. And they had to figure out the biggest problem I had with musicians is the feedback loop. 
And that's why I'm very interested in the fact that you have that feedback. Because a lot of bands, especially rock bands, like four-piece, five-piece mm -hmm. rock bands, their drummers are like, I, I can't feel the audience, so I'm not really getting it. Because the yeah. musicians really pick up on the audience. And if they can't, yeah. re they just then they have to figure out, well, I just have to get into a zone and be happy with my performance and not realize I'm not getting anything and just kind of get into a zone. And, and they found yeah. ways during COVID to do it. But it still is very interesting what you've mentioned, that the fact that you got that feedback loop. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a really interesting journey. I completely hear you, as all those situations you described and how, because I, I was doing the same thing. I was during, during COVID especially, and even before then, when I was on there, I was really paying attention to like how people behaved differently. And then when COVID happened and suddenly everybody went online, I actually, a friend of mine runs a nonprofit and we did a big fundraiser because she was scheduled, we were scheduled to do a fundraiser in person and then everything shut down. So within a matter of two weeks, we put everything online and we put it on, I didn't have plausible yet, um, but we put it on Zoom mm -hmm. and we had um, singers and performers from Broadway and bands from California and like all the things. And we did like a six hour marathon of, of talent, like different guests coming on to do this fundraiser yeah, yeah, for yeah. us. It was so cool. But we did rehearsals with everybody the week prior to like make sure everybody <laughs> yeah. knew how to get on Zoom same because checks, not yeah. we had to get on yeah, Zoom. It was fascinating because we had this band, really good band. Um, and they were like, Well, maybe we can be in the same place. Maybe we can't. We went through this whole thing to your point of how do they get the vibe and the energy going? And it it is, yeah. it's so important. Um and I don't think that it is. And I don't think that online will ever replicate in person. And I just was reading an article yeah. the other day yeah, about exactly. science behind that. And they, they had this article where an, I want to say a neuroscientist, I may be wrong, but I, I keep meaning to look this article back up because I want to write it down. But basically they did a study and they, they they watched what happens in people's brains when they interacted and socialized online versus when they were in person and different parts of the brain and more things are firing up in the brain when you're in person versus online. So there is a science behind it. And, um, yeah. but I do think, I do think that we can do better online. I don't know that it'll ever be yeah. perfect, but I definitely think there's room for improvement. Yeah, can I actually, what I do, what I've been doing, even before the pandemic, I used to, I mean, I used to do shows in Boston and New York and go, go to clubs. Mm -hmm. But then I started saying, well, you know, I started doing podcasting and I couldn't travel as much. So I started doing these Facebook and YouTube events live from my studio. And, mm -hmm. and you know, behind me, I have all my synthesizers and, and being a, like a one person kind of band, I'm, I, yeah. I, I use a lot of a lot of analog modular sense. So I have always been like a one person kind of show, kind of like I, I, I kind of grew up with Todd Rundgren and Prince and this idea that you could be this one person that can create all this music. And, and that mm -hmm. in itself keeps me so um, involved in my music. I kind of get in a trance and it gets me into this, this zone. And then when I play live, it, it kind of gives this like, uh, okay, you, you get into this flow state, this stream of consciousness. Yeah. And, and it's like, if you're the type of artist that has like very set 
song structures, you kind of depend on the crowd. But if you're an artist that is very into like fusion, jamming, stream of consciousness, that in itself can make the performance work online. And I've been doing that before the pandemic. And I found other artists mm -hmm. that kind of go with this flow state thing where they're kind of doing it like just off the cuff improvisation. Then that, that lended itself to this kind of thing where then you get in their audience and it's like, wow, he's doing something different every night, different every moment. And, and that's how you can succeed in it. Depending like where other people are waiting for that, that feedback, you're like, you're, you're kind of in that muse state. So it doesn't yeah. actually apply the same way. <laughs> you that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And it makes sense. Cause when you're in that flow state, that changes everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, d I understand what you mean. Cause like when, uh, when I was doing a lot of improv and everything and being on stage, you're so, we're so in the moment and paying attention to what's happening in that scene right now. Like everything shuts off, you know, like, like same with doing a set of comedy, like getting, if once you get into that groove and you get going in your set and things are cooking along, you're like in a whole, it takes you to a whole nother place. Another which place. Is yeah. So cool. It's a different type yeah. of scene. Like you, you're creating a stage that gives you a different format, right? So then once yeah. people start to, to own the format, like once they get on, they say, oh, this is what I can do with this platform. So if you're an artist and say, well, I have, and what I found a lot of times is artists like limitations when you're an artist can breed really interesting results. So the limitation mm -hmm. of not having a crowd, but then thinking, well, I can do something like that's like a soliloquy or like a one act play or kind of really get into this, this thing where I can, I can shape it and then I won't get distracted. So I could be really intricate in my performance and not think about the negative of it. Oh, I don't have the crowd. So if you, like, you keep on putting your head, I don't have the crowd. I don't have crowd. That's a negative yeah. thought, right? Then you're going to like, you're limiting. Like, what, what could I do if I don't have the crowd? What could I do if I do something, if it's not the same as the, as the in-person experience, is there something else I could do? And then there's yeah. ways I can, I can be creative with that space. See, I love that. I'm all about like, that's, I, I really appreciate hearing all of those things because that's the kind of uh, things that like I think about. I'm like, I wonder what people, even in creating the platform of plausible, it's like, okay, well, we, we solve some of these problems, but now I'm curious to see what someone like yourself would come on there and do and like come up with that I haven't thought about yet. You know, what's the next thing that someone's going to be like, oh, I can use this space as my performance space for X, Y, Z. It's like take something to a whole new level. Um, so I'm yeah. always fascinated by when artists have ideas of like, oh, I can do. Yeah. Like don't, you know, I, go for it, do it. Like, I'm even excited to see people doing their podcast on there because now uh, they're hosting with live audience and yeah, it changes the energy cool or vibe of the room. Yeah, yeah you know, that's so a really cool idea. I mean, cause like, like the, what I do with my bedroom producer festival, one thing that a lot of the bands I did two years in a row was they, they kept on complaining they didn't have the feedback. So it's like, yeah. oh, well, well, if I ever did it again, it's like, on your platform sounds like a cool, better way to do it. And we had guys that were using like OBS and, you know, I use it myself where I'd have like multiple screenshots of my setup. So I could have like one screen down so you can see my hands on the keyboard, a wide view, and then another view. Yeah. So at a different angle, so you can see I'm a one person band, but you see me, I look at all my boards and, you know, like different camera angles. And if you get more advanced, you can have, 
your OBS kind of popping, rotating through the, the cameras. So if you have like three webcams, oh, yeah. it, can, it can be rotating. They can be triggered based on certain things. You can code them to like, okay, if I start playing on the board and I'm doing a solo, then it's going to go right to that. And so there's a lot of stuff you can do. And you can make things look interesting that why would somebody want to go watch that? You know, that's the whole thing is like, how can you make the online experience concert something that somebody yeah. want to get a ticket to go see, you know, because I, you're doing something interesting, you're doing something different, you know? Yep. And I love that you use OBS. I use OBS also. It's, you know, friendly with all the so many platforms. And I do agree, like it completely like up levels your production value and things, yeah. you know? Yeah, because you can hook your DAW up to it. And I was having a lot of bands trying to figure out like, well, how could I run my backing tracks and play live? Well, if you use OBS, you can connect it to your DAW and then use that yep. like you would if you were on a concert. Like a lot of bands today, they have their digital audio workstation connected to the mixer board and then they're playing their leads live or they're playing, but they have maybe pre-recorded vocals that are running off their DAW but they're singing some parts of the song they unmute and they sing live. And that was kind of pointing out to people, like if you want to have, you can do that level of performance online. If you connect mm -hmm. your, your, your Ableton or whatever, you can do it, but you have to show up for the sound check to show me that you actually did it right. <laughs> this is so true. Okay. Yes. PSA <laughs> for everybody show up early. Like, like do yourself and everybody a favor is like show up early, make sure everything works properly because inevitably like Murphy's law, the minute you don't do that, something will yeah. go wrong, you know? Yeah, and, I can't and hear your mic. Like, I don't hear your back and tracks. I don't hear anything. I see you playing and I don't hear anything. So I, I had to, when I did my bedroom producer festival, I had like 22 bands over three days. Wow. And I had to sound check every band before. And yep. I had, I, I, a couple of days before, I sound checked a lot of the bands. And then I had people who were straggling in same day. And I'm like, you're really pushing it. <laughs> because, you know, I, got bands, I had bands from like South Africa and Australia. I got to get up at two in the morning to sound check them. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, you guys, you got to understand, like, this is going to be live. So you do need a sound check. Like, take it like you're going to a club. Like, you're really yes. in the in the venue. It's the same thing. I gotta, I gotta sound check what you're doing because it's gonna come out at the at that I moment. So. Agree. <laughs> I agree. And this, and and it's interesting. So the other thing on the flip side, I think audience members should remember and apply that same thing. Like, don't be scared to show up early, and otherwise, you spend half the first, you miss the first fifteen minutes of any act, right? Because you're like, yeah, yeah. wait. Website, wait, how do I connect it to my speaker? What, what, you know, and then you just yeah, yeah, right. everything that's happening in the live show. And yeah, it's just all you got to do is just set your alarm a few minutes earlier, uh, log in, make sure your headset, all that stuff. Because, and even going from platform to platform by doing so, sometimes you have to reset your settings. And yeah, 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 yeah we I, had, yeah, we all kinds of things we're dealing with people's DAWs, you know, differences between. Pro Tools and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, there's so many different digital capabilities that artists have. So one artist has Pro Tools, one of them has Ableton, one of them has X, whatever. And they all work different. And, you know, trying to connect it to the this platform, 
you know, you could go through OBS, but if they didn't have the right plugin, they didn't do the right thing, then they wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It's like, and so like you guys, like we really got to take it serious and, and, and this, it's just not going to be, you know, and some people have decided to look, like, I'm just do unplugged. I'm just going to hook up a mic and have a guitar and keep it simple. I said, well, yeah, you got to make a decision. Like if you can't get it to work, then what's your alternative? I still want to, why don't you do an unplugged thing? And you just jump on a bunch of acoustic guitars and somebody like drumming on a cardboard box or whatever. That's still cool. It could yeah. still be very intimate. Like if you guys, you know, some of the bands that decided to do that, it actually was really good because it's something they normally mm -hmm. didn't do. And then people got to see right. something online that they didn't do. And that's where I think like we have an online platform and you can provide people with something that maybe they didn't expect. And so then you can, yeah. they, they, that's the reason why people would want to watch it because then they could get into it, you know, in a different way. Yeah. And you also hit on, I think, a really important point about, you know, of like, try something new. And I always encourage like when comedians come on plausible, if like, you know what, don't come on just for a show at the last minute, but go explore, experiment, host your own, play with the buttons, see what this does. What does this do? Can this, oh, I could do something completely different. That's even better. Like, don't be afraid to play. In it, 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 I think there's, I think oftentimes, and especially as we get older, we're like, oh, it just has to be this way. And I follow these instructions and I check the box. But there's a whole element of with the technology, an opportunity to play and experiment and have a plan before you actually go to your performance. So I love that you touched on like, you know, okay, if it doesn't work, are you going to be able to play acoustically? Like, yeah, do that. Like, but yeah, get on yeah. there and try these things out in advance too, on your own, like for fun. You know? Yeah, we had we had some guy that figured out like couldn't get their daughter work, and then okay, I'm gonna run my song on SoundCloud, and and, and run it through on 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 the Streamyard channel, and then lip kind of not lip sync, but kind of do karaoke's over my pull my vocal track out, and so I said, why don't you just record? all your non-vocal tracks to SoundCloud and then run that and then sing live on your mic against that. But you're going to probably have to practice, right, to, to get it synced up. Yeah. But, yeah, then they were able to, oh, yeah, I found a way to get kind of a hack to not have to use my DAW. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a bunch of bands that figured that out. And it's like, yeah, it's a quick, dirty hack. They got to kind of <laughs> just, like, jury-rig it. But you, you got to, like, kind of think like off the cuff, like, what could you do to still perform? And then you were able to still do it. So you, you, you kind of get that creative, like, it's like, how could I actually present this? Like, if, like you said, if somebody's used to having a full body stage per experience, and then they ask, well, how do I do if I'm in a box? How am I going to yeah. do this performance? Kind of maybe I have to rewrite my, my, my skit to, to kind of focus mm -hmm. in a different way, maybe more with my hands yeah. or with my, my eyes and my face. And like, because so, now you can close up. So maybe people couldn't see your face. Then it's like, oh, like an actor. like, what yeah. do actors do? They spend a lot of time with what they do with their eyes, what they do with their mouth. They're like, what, how their face is. So maybe now you can use some of those actor capabilities because now we can focus on your face more than the rest of your whole body. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, I, I, I love 
all of this stuff. And you sound very similar. Like you love to play and see what's possible. And it's not a matter of, oh, this is hard. I can't do it. It's like, oh, a new challenge. This means opportunity. Like what, let me unbox this. Let me, let me dig in and kind of get, get dirty with it all, you know? And I, I admire that. And I'm a, I'm a big fan. That's how I ended up creating what I created. And, and I think it's fun. Like when you go into a new venue and you're on a new stage, like you show up and you're like, you kind of map it out because I remember my friend and I did a two person show at a place and we almost fell off the stage. We found a hole. We didn't realize at first there was a hole in the back of it. Yeah. You know, we played in class. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Classy around to make sure. <laughs> but it's really, it's really important, right? Because you don't, you never know, even if you've been there before, because we had been there before and the hole wasn't there before, but you know, you yeah. kind of want to map things out, but I think it's also exciting because oh, it's like, geez. Oh, sometimes they put in something new that you didn't know is there. And you're like, I can totally do something cool and fun with this. And it just changes the whole vibe of your show or in an experience yeah. because, you know, Truly. Yeah, I remember I went to this club in New York and they had Marshall amps and the previous club didn't have really good amps. And so I had some of my own. And I said, well, I don't use, need to use my own here. Cause they had a big Marshall stack. And then I was talking to the sound guys. They said, oh, guess what we got? We got smoke machines, like heavy metal smoke machines. And I was like, ooh, we're going to use that. <laughs> because right? I came early. Yeah. I was able to talk to the, to the guy running the board and then work out some cues for him to do the smoke machine. But if I had not shown up early, I wouldn't have been able to use it because they wouldn't have been able to kind of pre-cue the guy and say, hey, do this when I do this sign, do when I do this, can you do that? And he said, yeah, I'll write it down. And he was professional. He knew what to do. He was working with bands forever. So I said, well, you know, I'll give you a sign when I want you to do it. And he said, cool. And so we, we you know, the, just because sometimes being prepared and just being like, I think it's just, it's just being professional to understand that like showing up early if you're an artist, that you get the yeah. lay of the club, you hear the acoustics, you hear what the sound system's gonna sound like, you hear what the mic, what the mics are like. You, you start to say, okay, here's what I can do here, and here's what I can't do here, and then at least you know you don't find that out right at the moment you go on. <laughs> right? Yeah, in front of like a hundred people, like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, I agree. And there's a saying: 80 percent of success is showing up, and. I think another 10% of that is showing up early because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it does make a Run difference. Through Run through it and get yourself comfortable. Cause like, like every club I would go to, like I'd end up being there an hour early. And again, I had a big setup. I had roadies and stuff and we were like setting up all my stuff. And it's just like, I need to understand what that place is going to sound like. And I run through like a couple of songs just to get, get the whole band into it. And it's, it's just kind of, you know, to me, it's just, it, it, I, I didn't want to be like just thinking everything's going to go wrong, but I want to make sure I had backups for things that if it didn't work, then I use this instead. Like if somehow something yeah. wasn't working, then I could do something else. And it's good to find that out like a half hour before. <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, no, that's really, it's really smart. And I think like hearing you, as a musician, you have equipment and everything. And for so many comedians, they just show up and someone else met a, a microphone in a stand is magically there for them. And they have that luxury, right? We have that luxury of not having to haul around equipment. And I think that's where 
there's a opportunity for comedians because as things move online more and more, like they realize, yeah. oh, I'm responsible for my own equipment. There's there's still a learning curve to be had, but I see yeah. the difference between musicians versus you know comedians. <laughs> comedians are like, why doesn't this work? Like somebody, yeah, anybody. We, we, like, yeah. 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 You, know, you, you might want to have the brick wall, the brick wall, like you, you mentioned, like the brick wall background, or you might want to use yeah. some new tools to be able to throw in things like, like throw in effects. Yeah. If you're doing something, if you get really cool, like, Hey, I can actually trigger effects while I'm doing yes. something to pop on the screen yeah. and, 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 and do interesting things with the backgrounds and even have like a video run in and kind of work with a video inside of video. There's a lot of cool tools and with AI and there's all, you know, musicians, like we look at what tools there are, you know, yeah. sampling came, we use samples and we're using DAWs, we're using all kinds of digital capabilities and we use AI when it makes sense. Like I, I'm a, I play, so I don't use AI yeah. to play because I know how to play, but there are th tools I can use for AI to, to help me out with my sound engineering, to set my yeah. settings up so that when I get there, my settings is there and that's kind of cool because like you know that's one of the things that, that when you're trying to set up to get your mic settings and your effect settings right and have them all pre there it's kind of like you have this ai assistant that's setting it all up and you know anybody that does uh, like film or or musicians like this we start to mix theater and performance and so we have to have usually you have to have a human being running all that but nowadays now you can have these yeah. other tools helping you do that so your overall performance, your theatrics can be controlled more like it gives you an opportunity. You're going to be two people or one person and have a lot of things going on. It would have took like five people to do it. I agree with you 100%. And I would like to take all of what you said and implant it into all the comedia so they have an understanding. <laughs> like they have the power and capability to do all these same things that you and other musicians have been doing all along to enhance their performance. You know, that that didn't that we wouldn't have been able to do in person in a club, but we can most certainly do and apply all of those same, same ideas that you're doing online. I think that's really smart. And I love that messaging of it because there's so many tools available and now it's like, Oh yeah, you don't have someone in the booth. You don't have, you know, someone else setting these things up. Now it's on you. Um, go for it, play, take on that mindset of, and enjoy it. I think that's really cool. But then, See, you're, you're like, it's like you're world, my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like world building. If you think about you, when I've talked to authors, right? And authors, when they build their fictional stories, they build these worlds. They, first they do the character design, then they build the world, they build the city, they build the neighborhood, they build like the scene. And they're total control of that. And when, when I'm a musician, I've always told people like other artists, is like, you're in control of that world building. Like you create, your persona, you create the, your um, the the your your kind of the the stagecraft. Like if you, if you think about like guy like Freddie Mercury, when he was on stage, he had that persona. That's not him every day, but that was how he presented himself. It's the theatrics of Bowie. Bowie presented himself. Prince presented himself. Michael Jack. They present them. Lady Gaga. They they learn how to use theatrics to present this other person that is them but it's their, their performance self and it becomes right. like they can own that stage they can own that world and bring you into it and i think you know art you know comedians can do that 
all artists can do that. You can bring people into that world, the way you talk, the way you tell the story, the way you tell the joke, the way you set it up. You can, you can, and then with all these other tools, you can make it even bigger. Yeah. You know, that world. Absolutely. I love that. I like how you're, you're, you're also like super innovative with your music and experimenting with different things and, you know, looking at some of the things that you've done and posted is fascinating because you're, you're, you're open to the experimentation of it. Whereas a lot of people get stuck in it being, um, <laughs> it has to be, you know, this and fit in a box and stuff. And they don't give them themselves that freedom to explore and do something different and unique onto themselves. And I, I think that's just really cool. And the fact that you're incorporating all the technology that's available to you to continue evolving and everything. I I'm just a big fan of artists in general who do that. I, you know, why not? Why not? Well, when I, yeah. When I first started, I was like, I, I did not ever, I never sang until 2016. <clears throat> and when I came on the scene with the ghost, the first thing I did is I didn't like my male voice. So I went and I created a character named Josephine electric. And then she's a ghost. And the whole band of family electric ghost is the idea of my band is a bunch of ghosts create a band and people don't know they're actually ghosts. They think they're just people playing a, 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 have an act. It's kind of like the gorillas. Like uh -huh. kind of so it's a whole band full of ghosts. And when I actually played, I would actually be in this kind of phantom mask, LED mask, and you couldn't tell who I was because I was a ghost. So I could do this uh, female voice through this technology that actually pitches, shifts my voice in real time. So I created this character called Josephine Electric, and she's like the lead singer. And I'd be wearing this phantom mask and this LED kind of hoodie. And you couldn't tell if I was a man or a woman. And I could sing songs and I could switch between male voices and female voices in my songs. And that's what I do. And 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 it was really interesting that I did this in New York in a hip hop crowd. They didn't know how they were going to take it, but they couldn't really tell if I was a guy or a girl because I was in this mask and everything. So I was able to do it and people dug it. And then I had other pro producers come up to me and say, what do you do? How do you do that? And then and it was interesting because I was like, you could be scared going into that environment because it's very macho. And I didn't know how they were going to take Josephine, <laughs> that, that voice. And, <laughs> and they didn't they didn't react to it in, in a bad way. I was very surprised because I guess what I found out is they had masks on too, that their alter macho images they had, they weren't really who they look like they were portraying they were they were artists they were musicians and they were just putting on an act and i'm like wow these guys are putting on an act too <laughs> yeah. right interesting way of seeing it too it's true because we have stage personas right yeah 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 it's just Very like cool. the, the, the whole stage thing is like some people are like well that must be who they are it's like no not a lot of times these guys are not who you think they are <laughs> no. no that's very true that is very true right yeah and a lot of times people yeah. expect comedians to be on all the time but when yeah. they're not on stage there are so many they, they barely there's very introverted comedians and people who are not outgoing or don't have big personalities off stage at all so yeah i'm i'm not surprised but that's a really cool story that you have on how that really uh shows the truth of that the truth behind it and people's personas yeah it's just what people don't realize is like you know 
like a lot of times, like you know, you, you get on that stage and you know, people think like, oh, I'm going to be like Mick Jagger all day. But Mick Jagger is like a business guy. If you ever deal with Mick Jagger, like after, when he's not on stage prancing like he does, right? He's like this Victorian B B British businessman. They talk very logically and makes a lot of sense. He's like, he's like not some kind of crazy hippie rock star. Like he's very kind of tied down. And you're like, wow. So that the image he has on stage is not exact at all what he what he is. Yeah. In his daily life, and I think what I find with artists is that that's always the case. A lot of times, they're very shy until yes. they get on stage, and then they, when they ask them after the, the performance, they don't even remember what they did because they were kind of like in a trance, and they they have this persona they get into, and then after the, that's not them anymore. It's like and 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 people get the wrong idea because they think, oh, oh, I'm always on. I'm that person. I'm doing that. But you're not most of the time, unless yeah. you're like really taking it to heart like a, like a method actor <laughs> then you might get stuck in it <laughs> this is true yeah right and there are those people i just recently read some autobiographies of uh celebrities who were like oh method acting messed me up <laughs> so true yeah like andy kaufman um, he was kind of known for taking taking it off the stage and being that all yeah. day and you're like yeah he's yeah. like yo okay i don't know you know and even bowie was known when he was Ziggy, Ziggy Stardust. He actually couldn't get out of Ziggy Stardust when he did it. He would actually stay as Ziggy off the stage. And then he really realized that what wasn't good for him to do that. And he probably shouldn't do that, but he did. <laughs> yeah. But, it's a, it's know, a, that it would happens. be exhausting and, and hard and confusing. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, you know, sometimes and, you get very wise. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, too. It's, when, in this conversation, it kind of made me think even in business in a way and entrepreneurship, um, you know, when we go out, we're not on stage, but there are these places and networking events where people kind of tend to put on their performance, like a persona of who they want to portray themselves to be as a person in business. And then mm -hmm. you, know, you see them somewhere else and they're just not that, that that's, that's not at all who they yeah, are. Not, that's their stage like, self. That's the stage self. Right. Yeah. You yeah, know, they, like, so even, it's always extra, extra. <laughs> it really like, is. There's, sometimes there's a lot of hype and there's not a lot yeah. of substance behind there. Well, it's like a salesman. Like my dad was a salesman and he would put it on. And then he'd get home and he'd be like worn out. And he's like, like, you know, cause I've been putting on this, this thing to be a sales guy. You gotta, you gotta have that exuberance. You gotta make people excited. To, so you gotta be like, you're on. And then he'd get home and he'd be like tapped out. And I don't understand it. Like, like, yeah. Cause like you're tapped out kind of like a musician come back off the stage. Like I'm tapped. I just gave all this energy and now I don't have it anymore. You know, because so I just gave it away. <laughs> It's so, it's so true. And I see that a lot. And even I, even after uh, things reopened after the pandemic and people, we start to go back out into real life. Um, there's a similar a thing. I hear a lot of people saying, wow, it's really exhausting going out and putting it. But I think that's also a recognition of how maybe we all have a little bit of performer in us, right? Yeah, like it's like, wow, all it's really be around people. Yeah, because yeah, you, you when you go to work and you're in that cubicle, you got to put on that self that's like tied to the cubicle state, right? So you've got to be kind yeah. of buttoned down, and you might not be a buttoned down person, right? But in order to be in in that world, you got to be 
buttoned down for that time that you're there. And then later That's you right. go back. You can't and, have your pajamas on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't be, you can't be like in your daily life. You want to be a skydiver. You want to be out mountain biking, jumping off cliffs. And like, you can't do that in the cube, you know? So you can only right. do so much of that. You know, it's like you're kind of tied, you know, tap down. It's like, well, you can't go that crazy out here. Like you're in this environment. So you kind of keep it down. <laughs> you know, it's true. Well, and you know, the other interesting thing on the same, same thread of performance, I think it's also carried out into. So, so we kind of took it from like performers into everyday life, but that everyday life then even extends into this performer or persona that people put on on social media, right? Because oh, yeah. then it's like, yeah. oh, I have yeah, to put out this story. Yeah, the influencer. Like, oh. <laughs> the influencer that's got to get a million views. And then you get addicted to again, like, you know, whatever, 10,000, 100,000. And if you don't get it, then you get depressed because, like, oh, I got to fix it, something. They got to create a new version of myself to click the algorithm. And you're fighting for the views. My whole point is, like, just because they got a million views, does that mean it's good? Doesn't mean no. it's good. This means <laughs> that you triggered the algorithm. Because, like, how many cat videos are out there? It's like, were there, are, are those all good? Are those all really, like, I mean, I love cats. I got a cat. But it's like, is that really? <laughs> really what yeah. I should spend all my time just watching the cats or is there right. something that, that's a little deeper? Like maybe there's a documentary on lead belly. Maybe there's a documentary on uh, the, the history of uh, like, uh, uh, you know, bebop jazz, or am I going to watch a cat 10,000 cat videos? Maybe it's right. okay. I just watch cat videos. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what everybody's doing these days. You know, they post they're doing all these things, but really they're at home watching cat videos. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. It's I like, think like, a, oh, sorry. I think that's also kind of brings it back to like what we're saying about you know, as a performer and getting that energy and that vibe from other people, how we can get in the zone and, and doing things like watching, like if I, if I doom scroll, I call it doom scrolling and I get caught in that circle, I get in this zone and all of a sudden I look up and like an hour has passed. I'm like, what happened to that? Right. We get in the zone. Yeah. But I think what like, I doing? That's another, <laughs> right. And that's another reason why, like, I think it's important that there's more opportunity for people to see things live in real time. And that like your pod, like podcast right now, people are watching us live in real time. And I think there's, there's, uh, there's something special about that, that we're in the now, you know, we don't get lost in, into things, you yeah, know, a yeah. album, things or something like that. But I think there's something special and there's, there's a connection, even though it is online that, we seek out and there's a value to having the live performance of things and the live interaction in some format or another where people can, it's reciprocal, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like that human communication, you know, if you've get something, it's more like an infomercial. And I've been a, a big, a big, um, being a producer, my whole thing is about authenticity, being in the present and accepting happy accidents or that there are no bad notes. And that's a hard thing for some guys to get into because you can get into it. And I've told him, like, there's a story. If you want to talk about perfection, like Miles Davis, one of the greatest jazz, you know, innovators ever, right? He was working with uh, uh, Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock hit the wrong note. He didn't stop the performance. He adjusted the song to match Herbie's chords. 
And Herbie said that he learned from that that I thought Miles was going to kill him. He thought Miles Davis was going to kill him for hitting the wrong note. And then Miles told him, like, no, you gave me an opportunity. He said, what do you mean? He's like, that I can take the song in a different direction. That's what we do. We're, we're, yes. we're fusion bebop artists. We take the present moment. You're like, you can live in the present. There are no bad notes. What you do, do is you learn how to recover from what you perceive to be a mistake. And you look at it as an opportunity. And that's why yes. I'm always a live podcaster, because I don't want to be stuck in some scripted, edited. And I, you know, I'm able to do so many episodes because I don't get crazy about editing each one. I let them yes. be what they are. That means I, I can do more. I couldn't do as many. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're right. You're right, though. And that's what uh, improv comedy is all about. It's like being in the moment. And our job is as improvisers, our instructors would always tell us and our coaches would say, um, you know, our, a job of an improviser is to make your scene partner look like a genius and a poet and brilliant. Not to make me look that way, but to make our partners look that way. And I love your story about um, Miles and Herbie Hancock because that's exactly what Miles did. He's like, I'm going to drop my idea and I'm going to support my person here, you know, and and that's what art is. And I think that's what makes art even better. So in, in improv, what makes it good and funny and keeps people coming back is that the actors in it are willing not to give up their own idea to support their scene partner. And that's what made me fall in love with it. It's like, Oh, it's, 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 you know, teamwork makes the dream work, but really yeah, yeah. that's what happens on stage is that we support one another. We make each other look brilliant. And those happy accidents give, gives us opportunity to make something genius. And I think that's incredible. And that even goes to like innovation, to, you know, how you were saying when you were having all the bands come in and, and set up, you know, do the tech rehearsals, right? And how I want comedians come in and do the tech rehearsals. We wanted to get going, but if you can't get it going in a tech rehearsal, you better be ready to improvise and make it brilliant <laughs> and roll, roll with it when things yeah, go wrong. Really, yeah. You just come yeah, up with was, another idea. I mean, that the whole thing with, I love about like punk aesthetic and uh, fusion jazz it's like yeah. you don't, if you get with a group and you're playing with all these guys or people and it, it, like you don't start and stop, you kind of take the piece yeah. and it evolves. And every night that you play that piece, it evolves into something different. And you don't spend all the time trying to make it be uh, exact. You, you kind of like you're living in the moment, it's like that room has a sound so we can take advantage of it. Uh, we're feeling a certain way. So the bass player goes off in a way and I follow them and they follow me or I follow the drummer. It's like, you just do what the moment calls for and you don't yeah. worry about it. And I've ran into musicians that are like, well, what's the key change? It's like, uh, you gotta, gotta feel it. I can't tell you. Like, it's going to be nonverbal. You, you're going to have to hear it. Yeah. And there were guys who are more from a classical background and they're reading sheet music. They had a hard time. And I thought because they're such a good musician, because they were classical, that they could do it. But they were so locked into the sheet that they couldn't handle kind of uh, improvisation. And I was so shocked the fact that they had the technical skills, but they didn't believe enough in themselves to know what the next note should be when a, some, something wrote, was written down to tell them what it should be. And I'm wow. like, that's really interesting. Because I, I wouldn't have thought they would be limited that way, but they were. Yeah. And it's funny. Um to your point on that is in improv, people would always be like, well, if, in, if, if it's improv, 
improvised and you're making it up on the spot, what are you practicing? And to, to like what you said, even though you're doing a lot of improvised music, you still have to practice as a musician. And I think like that is what built your confidence as a musician that you could improvise. Whereas the people who are constantly practicing only with the sheet music, they didn't have the skills or practice mentality to do it without. The more you do something, the better you become at it. So the fact that that that's really cool. And I, and so people would always laugh, like, why are you practicing improv? How do you do that? That's how you do that. <laughs> well, you kind of you can have a bass structure. I mean, every every jazz song has a bass structure. Ba yeah. And then we can kind of go off and then come back and we call it like you can go into cacophony or or discordance and then come out of it. Yeah. You can go yep. into something a little off tune and you come back to it. Because you you have themes and we know our yes. themes. But we can we improv. can we can move back and we have these set things. So it's not like we didn't practice, but we do have a lot more. There's a lot more of the song that's not set. There's like yeah. parts of the song are set and the other parts aren't. And you can yep. kind of go and it's it's movable. Even the set parts can change the length. I can decide I'm not gonna do it and cue somebody to switch to something else. And then we we immediately like we did four minutes last night of this thing, and then we only do two. Or you do one and jump to something else. Like, is this, is this what we felt like doing? And and that is like a little bit of chaos. And some people don't like that because they, they want to know what it's going to be. But the thing about life is sometimes you don't know what it's going to be. So why don't you embrace it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's like improv. We also have structures and there's different formats we could use. We could be like, oh, we're doing a Herald or, oh, we're doing this or, oh, we're doing that. And but it's similar to what you're saying. You know, you have certain song structures you can always go back to, but you can play and expand. Once you know the rules, you can break the rules. Yeah. That's and the key. then they practice. Yeah. And then you practice how you break those rules. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like it, a lot of guys that go to Berkeley, the professors will tell them, it's like, you learned all the music compensation rules. Now, now when you leave, break them. Yeah. Because if you go and remember all the greats from the Morrison and Joplin and Hendrix and, uh, Dylan, they they broke the rules. They yeah. went and did like you know, you know. Uh, Dylan was famous being a folk guy, and then suddenly he went electric, and all the folk purists said, "Oh, that you're, what are you doing?" He said, "Well, I'm going a new direction," you know. And it's like mm -hmm. the people who are willing, you know, Hendrix did feedback. And they said, "We can't put that on record. That's not allowed on record." And he said, "It's going on the record." And it's like people who push it on that bleeding edge because they don't care about like what was in the canon. We're going to adjust the canon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's, for me, the exciting part of doing art is it's it's never done. It's constantly evolving and changing and moving and playing in it. And, and I think um, even as the world uh, evolves with technology, there's so much opportunity to use those tools in experiment and, and learn, like kind of learn a new set of rules and formats. And then how do we break them as artists and how do we make it and put that human element into it um, and do it that way? I, I, I don't know. All of this is very exciting to me <laughs> on so many yeah, levels. It's a, it's, a brave, it's a brave new world. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. And I'm very cross genre and I kind of called it expansive. Like what I call my music is expansive sound. People are like, oh, I want to pay A&R guys. Like, what's that mean? 
I mean, I do multiple genres. It's a raw opinion to a genre. I say, well, the you know, you could say it's like progressive rock or new wave, but it's really not because I do fusion jazz, I do country, I do punk, I do rock, I do soul, I do it, like all of it. So that's why I call it expansive because I can cross into yeah. multiple genres because that's what I feel like doing. And now the marketing people hate it, hate it because they're like, they, I want to know it's new wave. I want to know it's EDM, it's trap. They want to put you in a box. But it's like, but I say, well, if I put it out independently, and I just put it out there. I find there are people all over the world that will dig it. And so then yep. I get into more independent distribution because these other guys want to put me in a channel and then they don't, then they wonder why it doesn't work. Cause I don't fit in that channel. <laughs> right. You know, yep. That's really cool. So you gotta, that's, that's exciting. You got to know what you can do, you know? Don't be stuck. Don't be stuck by people's labels to kind of create your own label, create your own brand. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Be your own person. That's what everybody okay. is learning to do these days of like, be my authentic self, but I want to be this. <laughs> it's like, just be you. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah be it's you. Hard. like once, once you put it in the world, like you put plausible into the world. And I already see like, wow, there's like musicians could use that. You said podcasters could use it. There's a lot of, you know, people doing one act plays could do it. You know, you could, you could, you could have a lot of different types of artists come on to that platform. And it's got some really cool features that I picked up on as a musician. It's like, wow, yeah, the interactive audience, that's really, that's really key. And I could, I could see a lot yeah. of bands like, wow, yeah, that's, that's what I need. That's the mojo that I need. That's what I want. So uh, I think, yeah, there's, there's ways to expand things. And when you talk to people, then you find out like, oh, I could go into this market. I can go into this because, you know, if you don't talk to them, then you don't know. If you don't put it out there, then you don't know. You know, because you talk to me and now I That's know right. about Plausible. And I say, hey, yeah. people ought to check and it out. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, it's a it's a work in progress and it will evolve and it will change. And so like when you go in there, we're very niche and, and focused on comedians and onboarding comedians, but I, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't, trust me, it's not lost on me that this could be used for poets and spoken word and storytellers and musicians and things of that nature. And as we grow and people come and they experiment and we play it evolves and it grows with us and we do it together. And so, yeah, I'd love to have you come on and check it out and let's keep the conversation right, going. You know? Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll talk to you about doing like a, a, a family, the ghost performance, like my, even my music just to check it out. And then maybe, you know, expanding my peg bedroom producer festival where I bring in all these bands, but um, that's just something for the future. But uh, I do have, have another podcast we've gone longer than i wanted to but i, I, I was talking so much with you i, I enjoyed it um i want to let people know that we're going to be out there on all the podcast platforms that you're that you can listen or watch podcast down by tomorrow and thank you again for being on the show check out plausible.com that's clickable when we're published you can go right through it and, and get to it thank, thank you, you again so for much. being on the show great conversation with you i enjoyed it Okay, yeah, I got to, um, yeah, I'm waiting for it to end. I think it's almost done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we went a little long, so. It's okay. It's just like the computer's taking a little bit to end it. I don't know why, but. Do you want me to go ahead and 